It's Telly.Click, the podcast where Mike Ward, the Daily Stars TV critic, and me, Simon Hoban, from BBC Radio, look ahead to the week's TV schedules. Pan for gold, Mike, don't we? Pan for gold. Yes, that's it. Is that a game show? It should be a game show if it isn't. There was going for gold, wasn't there, with Henry Kelly? There was going for gold. There's nothing to, there's no, there is no connection, any resemblance between Telly.Click and going for gold with Henry Kelly. Oh, you taking me right back to school, school days there, summer holidays. Henry Kelly on the telly when really you should be out in the sun. Your dad coming home telling you to get out. Yeah, uh, and ten- telling Hen- Henry Kelly to get off his telly. Yeah, the best and the round, the only round anyone remembers from going for gold was mm. the, the Who Am I? That's Did you only... always do well in that? I, well, I can't remember. I was twelve at the time. Uh, okay, you didn't know who you were really. I, did, I was discovering myself. Yes, it was uh, you were having your own identity crisis. <laughs> oh, you weren't interested in other people. Plenty on, of on going for gold. Yeah, that's going for gold. It's not on this week. I've, it's I've not heard. on this week, but Monday, January the eighth, which is our starting point. We always start on a Monday and run through to Sunday. Yeah. Monday, January the 8th, Silent Witness is back. Excellent. Do you watch Silent Witness? No, I sort of greeted that news with silence there, yeah, appropriately. Well, I, it's one of those... Do you know this is its 21st series, I think, it, at least? It's been going forever. You're it's been very going... good on, on programmes that we don't think have been running for long, but have I been. have. <laughs> Do you think, really? Well, your other one is Jules Holland. <laughs> yes, it is. I am. Well, don't, get, don't start there. You know, you, are, you know how much you upset him over Christmas. I know, I really did. Wow. Yeah, it's been going for. It's one of those programs that I don't tend to watch very often. Yeah. But whenever I do uh, watch it, and I've watched this first episode of this new series, I think actually this isn't this is nonsense, but it's quite compelling nonsense. It's well written nonsense and yeah. well acted, and and it looks it's you know it's quite slickly produced, and um, you can you can sort of go along with the nonsense. It's not sort of ridic- so ridiculously corny. And sort of naff and low budget and full of really sort of cringe-inducing dialogue. Hmm. So once you get into this, once you get used to the idea that these pathologists seem to be doing more crime-solving than the actual police, who sort of play <laughs> a bit part in all these investigations, really. Yeah. Um, then that's fine. You know, but I don't know. I don't think they do in real life, do they? I think we've, we've, this has been established many a time that uh, that Silent Witness exaggerates the role. It could do. Pathologists. It could do for you know televisual reasons. It could do. Yes. Well, anyway, this, the new series and, and the, the other thing I like about it, and I've forgotten this, is that each series is basically uh, a bunch of two-part episodes. So basically, each series goes when it starts. It goes out on a Monday and a Tuesday each week. Yeah. Uh, and then there's self-contained stories. So there's a sort of um, I think a, a story arc, a sort of over, you know sort of ongoing sort of plot things un, you know that run through the entire series. Yeah. Whatever that is, that thing. Um, but there's also that's probably completely wrong expression. But I'm used no, to I think you're right there. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> but there's also the self. So basically, what I'm saying is, you can dip in for one two-part episode and then not watch it again for a few years, mm. and then come back and then just watch another one, and it's still, you know, a satisfying experience. Okay, that's clever, its isn't right. it? Well, that's clever of them. And I like that. And I've come to the conclusion, and we'll get to this in a minute, that I'm going very much back to the idea of enjoying things, programs that don't outstay their welcome. Definitely. And this is a fine example of that. You could watch every episode throughout every series and you'd be very, very committed and know all the sort of subtle subplots and all the character development that's going on, you know, beneath the surface. But yeah. ultimately, you can just watch that week's story mm. and that works. Well, it's a bit like Wagner's Ring Cycle of Operas, isn't is, it? Is that right? Yeah. Talk me through that. You know, you can you can just enjoy Gotterdammering for what it is. Yeah. But if you want to link it to Tristan and Isolde and, uh, you know, Valkyrie, all those, yeah. then you can do that as well. Is that right? Yeah. Wow. I mean, it takes many years. But, um, but yeah, it's similar. 
Is it very similar, isn't it? <laughs> and I think that has been pointed out before about uh, Silent Witness. Yes, exactly. Hasn't it? Or it has now. Mm. There's also a good thing starting on ITV called uh, Next of Kin, which I was going to describe as uh, a drama very much for our times, but I noticed somebody in the Radio Times described it as a drama for our times. He got there first, which is annoying. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. But it is. It's, it's a gloomy title, that, isn't it? What? Next of Kin. I mean, I'm guessing it's <laughs> yes. not a, 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 a ray of sunshine, this programme. Yes, actually titles, that's a good thing, isn't it? I might do a whole thing about titles. I mean, and next what... of kin, instantly I'm yeah, thinking instantly something terrible's something... happened. There. Yeah, there's a signal, there's a sign <laughs> yeah. there. Reading stuff into, into, into titles is actually, hmm, we'll talk about that again in a minute as well. Okay. Um, Archie Punjabi, she's in it, and Jack Davenport, they play a husband and wife, wife and husband, um, who uh, live a contented professional life, uh, in West London uh, until one day at the start of this first episode. In this first episode, three significant things happen, uh, of which I can tell you two. One is that the uh, uh, on the way home, uh, her character, who's a, who's a, who's a sort of much-loved doctor, GP-type person, uh, has her journey home disrupted by the fact there's a bomb blast in, in London. Right. So you, you just see this, this sort of plume of black smoke on the horizon and the police sirens going all over the place and the tube being shut down and, and roads being closed off etc mm-hmm. um and obviously there's a picture but it's almost matter of fact you know this comes into the story quite early on in the episode and it's almost like oh how annoying you know a bit like you know we know, we know when you hear a traffic update on yeah. the radio yeah and you sort of uh, it's normally the result of a road accident there's been an accident and so and so and so you don't think oh how awful you just think how annoying because it's presented as as a sort of just a very factual thing sure um and obviously behind every every update of that sort is something pretty horrendous anyway the point I'm making is that uh, there's a sort of matter of factness which becomes quite ironic because uh, later on in the episode um her character uh, her brother rather um who's working as a doctor in Pakistan gets abducted and that sets the ball rolling for all sorts of horrors that will unfold, which I won't go into detail because it will spoil the story. But I, I wasn't entirely convinced when I heard about the setup of this, and I've probably not sold it to you, but it's actually quite good. Okay. Um, and uh, very much a, the, the, the TV equivalent of a page-turner, whatever that is. Right. You want to know what happens next. You might sort of... There, there'll be a few implausibilities and plot holes, but nothing you can't put up with. Sounds so good. Well, yeah, and that's 9 o'clock on ITV. Tuesday. Yeah, I'll tell you what's really, really worth watching. Two things. First of all, School for Stammerers. This is a 90-minute documentary on ITV. Yeah. Um, stammering, did you, were you ever at school with anyone with a stammer? Uh, no, actually, no. I seem to remember there might have been one person at my school. It was a long, long time ago. Anyway, School for Stammerers is a documentary about a special, really full-on intensive programme for people who have a really, really sort of debilitating stammers and are desperate to find some way of not curing them, but controlling them. Uh Uh, So it follows six people from all uh, different parts of the country, um, different ages ranging from about 13 to early 50s, who, um, for various different reasons, are finding their lives have been made in absolute misery uh, because of their stammer, who who are signed up to this program which is four days mm-hmm. uh, and it is re- really full on so it's a residential thing um, there's no TV they're not allowed TV technology no phones no iPads no newspapers magazines no alcohol no late nights and a massive massive focus on sort of you know adopting the techniques that are being 
propose to them. And we meet them at the start, and it's sort of, you know, it's awful because you just see just how bad, you know, life is for them. They're, they're, they have to introduce themselves to the group and just say their name mm-hmm. and pretty much not a lot else. Mm-hmm. And that in itself bet, yeah. is, is, you know, it's just traumatic, hot, heartbreaking. So, yeah, it's horrible. Um, and then you watch the technique. I won't go into detail, but basically the technique is, is about breathing, yeah. learning a different breathing method. And I know... Um, We've seen on Educating Yorkshire the teacher who uh, got that kid to sort of control his stammer with mm. by having music playing in his head and sort of... Mushy, his name was. Mushy, yeah. yeah. And that was brilliant. That's incredibly moving it was. stuff. And this is um, using breathing to sort of almost relearn how they speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and, well, it, you know, it goes without saying that by the end the results are quite extraordinary. There's Great. one guy, who, uh, a guy from Barnsley, is a long-distance lorry driver. He's had a stammer since he was six. Yeah. And he talks about how when he was a kid at school, um, his teacher's reaction would be to uh, wrap him over the knuckles with a ruler and basically <sighs> shout at him. Gosh. And tell him, Unreal. you know, stop stammering. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me, actually. You know, having been a kid at school <laughs> in a similar era myself, yeah, I yeah. didn't experience that, but I saw, you know, treatment of uh, insensitive treatment of personal things like that absolutely on a relatively uh, frequent basis anyway uh, yeah again there's some great stories there which it almost seems a shame to sort of go into too much uh, detail about but it's it's well worth it. it is 90 minutes but it's well worth a look on a separate note something you tweeted about yes just the other day what was your tweet saying oh. remind remind our v- listener <laughs> yeah well, the, just after uh, after watching the first of the new series of inside number 9 that really yes. It just all telly is there. It's everything, yes. everything I want from a TV programme, yes. isn't it? The writing's so good. There's yeah. really funny jokes in there. I mean, yeah. I got more laughs out of this, which is supposedly a, a, a dark drama, yeah. than that of any of the so-called comedy programmes on TV over Christmas. You know, Even Vic and Bob. Even Vic and Bob but weren't that great, I've got to say. Sorry yes. about that. Yeah, guys, they'll be devastated to hear our. They will. Critique. I know that you know, not as devastated as Jules Holland was. By no, say, but yeah, similar. I mean, Mrs. Brown's boys. I expect it. <laughs> yeah. I expect to sit there stony faced. Yes. Oh, the worst thing about that, I just wish they wouldn't do that thing where they self-consciously break the fourth wall. Yeah, you know where they it's do, too obvious. where they break down in laughter. Yeah, and knowingly laugh at it. It's just, and it's so contrived. It is, it is contrived. And and somebody was, what were they? Sh- oh, um, did you see that awful? Um, T- greatest TV ever moments thing that ITV did with Paddy McGuinness. Oh, right. No, I didn't. It was a two-hour thing where it went through each decade picking half a dozen, I think it was, or was it maybe four, uh, uh, sort of representatives from each decade. God, how yeah, they whittled it down, goodness knows. But uh, to represent the finest moments from that okay. decade. So the 60s included things like uh, Moon Landing and uh, the yeah. 90s, or was it the 80s included... Del Boy falling through the blue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, that stuff. Um, why was I talking about that? I've completely forgotten. Um, so this is... Uh, <laughs> and Mrs Brown's Boys featured Oh, yeah, it, they did it? Mrs Brown's Boys representing the modern era. And, and so, oh, you know... God. And, and the, they have... And whoever was introduced to this, and they have such a great time where it's so funny, even when they get their lines wrong or whatever. Thinking, well, no, it's not even when. That's no. the whole fake sort of, you yeah. know... Um, Conceit, yeah. Um, what's that? What's that? Um, what's the expression for uh, um, actors when they actually can't stop corpsing? Laughing? Corpsing, yeah. yeah, fake corpsing. It is. I know. 
Yeah, it's a bit like what you talked about, uh, which I completely agree with, about stand-up. When somebody does a stand-up routine, when they pretend something's happened to them, they tell a story which you know is quite clearly made up. Exactly, yeah. It just doesn't They're ring the true, least funny bit. therefore it's not funny. It's so bad it barely needs talking about, so let's stop. We'll so go, back the, go back to Inside, inside Number 9, nine which I completely agree with. And I agree with, it, agree with you, and I also add the fact that this goes... Yeah, this this um, very much fits into my non uh, low commitment TV yes, exactly. thing. Well, that's what I've always loved about it. Yeah, it's half an each episode. I mean, I think we're in series four, three, four mm-hmm. now, yep. something like that. Each episode is only half an hour. There's only six episodes per series, I think, mm-hmm. and everyone is self-contained. Yeah, so it's a beginning, middle, end, done, and, and so different, beautifully crafted. Yeah. So and you know, so it's a bit. I don't know. It's a bit like reading a short story or something. I guess. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of tales of the unexpected, isn't yes. it, for the modern era? There is very much a tales of the unexpected feel to it. Even the music has got a similar kind of feel to it. Uh-huh. Yeah. However, think... the first one in the series was was pure joy. There was no, there was no dark twist at the end, which was quite no. nice in its own way, actually. So and it was it was acted out in Shakespearean yes. thingies. Yeah. What is it called? Iambic pentameter. Which was which was coming. the second one, which is coming up um, on Tuesday, January the ninth. Is uh, completely different. Obviously, it's uh, Steve Pemberton and Reese Shearsmith still because yeah. they're they're the creators and uh-huh. the stars of the whole thing. They uh, uh, and Sean Gibson from Carshare plays a very small guest role in it. Uh-huh. But this is um, something which I think you'll uh, you'll identify with, not identify with, but sort of uh, sort of uh, it would appeal to you, shall we say? They play two old seventies comedians. All oh, right, yeah, yeah. One of which was clearly the funny one, yeah, and one of which was one of whom was clearly the the straight one, right. Um, and they obviously had a massive fallout. So we, the story finds the meeting up to get again after thirty years. Great. Uh, and the one who was never very funny is now very, very serious, and clearly isn't convinced about this reunion at all. Yeah. And the other one is is, is, is really desperate and has never kind of moved on. He still looks like a washed up version of the seventies yes. guy. Oh, great. With the same. I already like the sound of it. With the same sense, and th- still thinks their routine was funny then, and so he'll do things which are completely politically incorrect mm. to a modern audience and all kinds of stuff like <laughs> right, that. Right, yeah. But it's it's fantastic because there are lines that you chuckle at, but it's also very poignant, but not obviously toe-curlingly naff poignant. It's no. just very cleverly well done. Observed. And as ever with Inside Number 9, there's always a bit near the end. Oh, yeah. An extra bit, a couple of minutes on the end, that turns everything sort of... Um, Say it turns everything inside. I'm, I'm possibly saying too much already, but it's just brilliant. It's just it's such a good series, and as you say, you don't feel as if you have to know the char- characters' backstories or no. you know think oh, I'm going to have to commit to this now for the next five years and talk about it. You know, it's just a little bit of joy in mm-hmm. your day, mm-hmm. and that's ten o'clock on BBC Two. Wednesday, January the tenth. Another new drama. This one is is one of those ones that inevitably gets called powerful, and uh, which basically means it's a bit heavy duty. But mm-hmm. uh, it's Kiri. It's a cha- new drama on Channel Four. It stars um, Sarah Lancashire as a character called Miriam. She's a social worker in Bristol, and as it's when it starts, we introduce we're introduced to her in a sort of matter of fact situation, and it all feels as if it could just quite easily just sort of develop into quite a, a, a sort of pleasant comedy drama. She seems a very sort of chirpy, good-natured soul, and she's chatting to people as she goes out walking the dog and all sorts of stuff like that. And it's just... Um, you just think, oh, but hang on a minute, Sarah Lancashire, she tends to play characters who are 
heading for something. A bit like Maxine Peak. Mm. You know, when you see Maxine Peak in something, you think this is not going to be good. I or, mean, it's going to be good, but the, uh, what happens to the character is not going to be good. Or any report by Orla Gurin. The yes. news when yeah. she turns up. Yes, yeah, that's the, that sort of thing. You have that kind of feeling of, oh dear, uh, something onward. In this particular case, she arranges... She, the, the basic story is that Kiri is, is, a, is a young black girl who's about to be adopted by a white... her, her foster parents who, who are about to adopt her. Um, so shortly before this happens, Miriam uh, arranges for Kiri to go and spend some time on an unsupervised visit with her uh, biological grandparents, mm-hmm. during which it turns out she disappears. Mm-hmm. Now, I won't say any more than that, but obviously uh, her initial reaction is, oh, she's just run off, and then it turns out that um, yeah, she's uh, it's more serious than that, very, very serious indeed, and the pink finger of blame uh, points... Uh, immediately to her, the press, her colleagues, the police blame her for the way she's handled the whole situation, allowing this to happen. Uh, so that's going to unfold over four episodes. So again, it's one of those dramas where you think, yeah, um, you know, I want to see what happens here. And she is so good. Mm. She is such a. I was watching her. There's a scene where she's having a it'd be, not being interrogated by the police, but she's being interviewed by the police about the the, the girl's disappearance. And her acting is is got a. I was going to say sort of matter of fact quality. It's just. It feels so natural and unlabeled and unlabored and unhistrionic. It sort of feels as you know, it's somebody in her position going through what she was going through. You think, yes, that's exactly how somebody would speak uh-huh. and how they react, what their body yeah. language would be like. Naturalistically. Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have that kind of soapy, exaggerated, extreme feel, which actually in real life probably wouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. It has that slightly sort of almost sort of chaotic, wayward. You know, the conversation goes down sort of non sequiturs and and, 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 and That's in, a good that's a good new test you've kind of devised there for whether dialogue in these things is any good. Yeah, you know, just think to yourself, would people say that? Yeah. Would you actually Yes. Yeah. In most dramas you'd probably say that that isn't the case, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Seriously. Uh, increasingly you watch the I mean, you know when you watch period dramas and you say nobody used to speak like that yeah. in those days. Yeah. Well, I think now even contemporary dramas you watch you think, would anybody Ever say that? Here's, there's an example in actually in uh, the one we talked about for Monday, Next of Kin, which otherwise I did like. But uh-huh. the dialogue at the start, I was watching it, and my wife was in the room. I was watching it on my laptop, and my wife was in the room, so she only got the the the, the, the audio element of it. She, didn't, mm-hmm. she wasn't watching it; she was mm. getting ready for work. Mm. Um, and she was saying, Are "These people, what, why are they talking like that?" And um, have you ever, in a conversation on the phone, when you left a message mm. to someone, have you ever ended it with "Call me"? <laughs> no, no. And she said nobody says call me, and I thought no, I don't think I've ever said call me. No, at the end of it, definitely well, not. I might say, oh, could you give us a ring back when you got a moment? I say, call me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like you know, it's like. And then we had this conversation. Was that nineteen seventy nine or nineteen eighty that Blondie released that? <laughs> yeah. And now it says nineteen seventy nine, and actually it was recorded in nineteen seventy nine, oh. August, but it was released in February nineteen eighty. Well, there you go. That was going off at a slight tangent, um, but the point was that nobody speaks like that, and it's. It, I just think the feel for natural speak is speech. And the ability to deliver that in a drama, as Kiri does, is uh, good. Is, is a great asset. Okay. So there you go. Uh, well worth a look, as I keep saying about all these things. Uh, that's Kiri, Channel 4, Wednesday the 10th at 9 o'clock. Also on Wednesday the 10th at 8 o'clock, Britain's, mm-hmm. on ITV, Britain's Brightest Family. Ooh. It's a new quiz introduced by Anne Hegarty from The Chase. Oh, right, yeah. Scary Anne. Uh, and its families competing for, I think it's a, Dream holiday. 
And then, why do they say dream holiday? Because if you dream, normally dreams are weird, aren't they? Yeah. I never, I've never dreamt of a holiday. And if I have, it would be a holiday where a Martian lands on your head. Or, <laughs> exactly. Or something like that. So that's weird. Um, but yes, that's what they're doing. Um, people of a certain age will remember this thing called Ask the Family that um, was on many, many years ago. So it's not an original idea to have a, fam- a family-based quiz. In fact, I think Noah Logman's Teleaddicts used to be family-based as well. Well, and Family Fortunes. Family Fortunes, yes, indeed. Uh, although that wasn't so much a general knowledge quiz as a, as a test of idiocy. Uh, yes. Uh, predominantly. Um, but, yeah, that, this is that, that's good. I think Britain's Brain is Family. Uh, one thing I'm pretty sure, and it's 12 episodes, and I'm not going to pretend I've watched them, uh, one thing I'm pretty certain of, the family that wins won't be one of those families that turns up on uh, Eat Well for Less with Greg Wallace <laughs> and goes, how can no. I cut my food bills, Greg? Yeah. To which every week, without fail, he and was it Chris Baffin or something or other, his presenter, say, well, if you weren't such an idiot, you'd realise that actually you don't need to spend that much on that because there's a cheaper version, which is exactly the same. Which yeah. doesn't have a... Made by the supermarket. Made, own brand. Yes. Buy own brand stuff. There you go. That's the answer to that entire series. Yes. Buy own brand stuff. Yeah. The end. <laughs> Good night. Yeah. Seriously. It's not as bad as his um, let's look round a factory at how things are made. Do you not like that? Do you not like the factory thing? Well, it's just... He gets very excited well, with that f- stuff. Yeah, Fish Fingers was the su- subject of the oh, last yeah, one. I I it. Was it God. good? Not really. Did you watch I it? I mean, even for a massive Fish Finger fan, it was a stretch. Are you a fan of massive Fish Fingers? But, but I'm not. So on both oh, counts, okay, it you're not. No. Uh, I was saying if there was such a person, I'm sure there well, are you fans. Well, that's not scientifically proven, because unless you've asked a Massive Fish Finger fan... No. You can't be sure that Massive Fish, Fish Finger fan wouldn't be voting that as the TV moment of the decade. Seriously, the Fish Fingers, I mean, I'm assuming they just get big blocks of white fish mashed up, and then they cut them into slices and put them in bread crumbs around them. Well, as I say, I didn't watch it, so... How interesting could it... Well, we can just guess, can't we? <laughs> yeah. A lot of, it's one of those... You don't need to know. You sure. can just guess. Britain's um, brightest family. My Brit- only worry is, I like Anne Hegarty, but sometimes the less you see of people, the more you like them. Uh, uh, yes, and, and a little the, goes a long way. The great example of this is Nick Hewer, who was good on oh, The Apprentice, but when yeah. he went on to present Countdown, it's dire. Oh, is it? I haven't watched it for a long, long time. Is it, yeah. are, you, are you a fan normally? Oh, it's terrible. Oh, why? How can you... How can, I mean, seriously, it's only numbers and letters. How can you be bad at it? Oh, his his interaction between the oh. contestants and Rachel is just this most awkward... Wooden? Terrible, wooden, charismaless dro- yeah. dross. It's terrible. Because it was Richard Whiteley, God rest his soul, wasn't it? Yeah. Then it was Des Lynham, I think. Yeah, they had Des a bit O'Connor of... And the then the guy around. from um, the Sky Jeff Sports. Stelling. Jeff Stelling. So it was like, Nicky was the fifth person to do yeah. it. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, I just but hope... he's done it for a while now. I know, I think it's just kind they of... They must like him. I think it's more. That the, I think the more. The, I think it's more that the program is just found its level oh, yeah. and it's it's yeah. slowly dying off. Yeah. But I hope Hegarty doesn't go the same way. That's all I'm saying. Because I th- actually I don't think she will. She's got more about her. She's funny. I like Anne Hegarty. Mm. Sorry, so, I'm just um, drinking right. water because I'm doing dry January. There are two types of people in this world: those who like the chase and those who like pointless. Oh, okay. Talk me through this. And I'm, I'm just I'm a chaser all the way. Are you? I, I'm done because with pointless. I just I don't you know. Fed up with pointless, that relationship, that banter. Y- yeah, it's got a bit smug. And yeah. just the whole idea of, you know, the, the answer that the least people gave. I don't. I, I've gone off that now. I want the actual right answers. <laughs> well, it's a simple. It's a, it's a simple. It's 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 one idea, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. It's Absolutely. one idea that's been flogged now. Yeah, yeah. you're right. You're right. And Whereas the chase is just quick fire questions. And I think Central African Republic is normally the, the best answer to give for most things. Apparently, <laughs> yeah, exactly. on that pointless. Um, I, I'll be honest. I've watched the. I've watched pointless way more than I've watched the chase. Oh. Not through any great choice, 
but because I used to watch it with with my mother, God rest her soul, we, we watched Pointless together. Yeah. Um, we didn't watch The Chase. Right. Uh, that was I don't know. She probably didn't know The Chase existed. It was just a habit we fell into. Uh-huh. Transformation. Thursday, January the 11th, Transformation Street. This sounds like it's going to be DIY SOS or something really awful, but in fact, it's a, it's a transgender thing. Uh. It's basically a new ITV... Uh, well, I think well that subject is so ubiquitous now that when you said that, that's the first thing I thought. Oh, was it? So you <laughs> yeah. didn't think, oh, where's yeah. Nick Knowles? That would have been refreshing to have where's Nick Knowles, Nick Knowles? trying to do a bit of plumbing. And I have to say, it's, it is one of those things where, where um, what have you got? Uh, I think it's, is it 90 minutes? No, it's not. The other one's 90 minutes. It's an hour long, but it's three parts. And it's meeting people who are going to this private clinic. in. Um, so it very neatly sw- side sweeps, side sidesteps. So it very neatly sidesteps all uh, you know debates about should this be on the NHS? Should people have to do it privately if they want to do it? Blah blah blah. blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it just takes, meets these people who are doing it private. Right. And anyone who thinks this is, whatever your opinion on it, anyone who thinks this is kind of just faddish, just take a look at what these people are prepared to go through. Yes. To you know, uh, and I you know I'm I'm not offering an opinion either way, other than to say it's quite an extreme thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the stories we meet uh, we see is a guy called. Um, uh, well, he's now called Lucas. He was Chris and Lauren, and he goes with his mum to this clinic for a consultation and basically wants his breasts removed, first of all, because he finds it. And I have to say, you know, although uh, born Lauren, everything about this person thinks that, yeah, this guy, yeah. There's nothing sort of fake or sort of, you know, there's no posturing or posing or nonsense. It's, it's quite clearly... Uh, the right thing by all, you know, from what you're witnessing, it seems to me, as a, as a sort of passing observer... Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not here to judge. It's not my place to judge. But I, I tell you what I do find interesting is when you go through the process, choosing yourself the new name. Yeah. Because I was thinking, if, you, if you're christened Lauren and you want to become a bloke, wouldn't, I would have thought, I'd have gone for Lawrence, wouldn't you? But would you want to hang on to the, the vestige of the old you? So perhaps they would change it. I mean, I was actually surprised that they even choose the same first letter because I thought... Maybe they want a complete break with that per- yeah, older person. Yeah, I guess it, um, each each individual. But the, the the two people I know who've gone through it have both chosen very similar names to their old names. Yeah, that's previous names. Yeah. And I sort of think that's. I've always just thought, oh, that's probably just part of these. So it makes they feel comfortable with it. It feels like a natural progression, you know, yeah, unforced you know progression. Mm. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Lucas is an interesting one to choose because it's not an obvious name, no. is it? No, it's not an obvious sort of mainstream name. I mm-hmm. think it's anyway, there you go. Good luck to him. Uh, what else we've got? Big cats. Do you like a cat? Not a cat person, but no, not so, at all. So a, big, a, cat, a big one's even room. worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, huge cats, enormous cats, uh, leopards, lynx, oh, right, uh, those, lions. Yeah. I think all cats should start with L. I don't mind those because at least they're honest about the fact that they're going to do what cats do. Yes, it's the, they're, they're no nonsense cats. Yeah, they're, they're, it's they're, like, they're, but the domestic cat has this veneer of domesticity yeah. whilst really ultimately it's got the same agenda <laughs> yeah yeah and they'll do that they'll they'll evince that by you know by swiping at your feet and things a little cat is just a big cat in disguise yeah they do swipe at your feet my, my daughter's got a cat she comes home with the cat every so often cat's got a real problem mm. seriously i mean it's just like you walk you you will stroke this cat and the cat will. I know you cats don't really like that sort of thing, but they they she, this cat will kind of come up and will sort of rub itself up against you and purr and sit on your lap. It will sit on my lap. Yeah. While I'm watching the telly, it will come and it will sit on my lap or sit actually sit quite generally sit on my laptop quite mm-hmm, a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's all very much an affectionate gesture and it lulls you into a full sense full sense of security. Literally two minutes later, it could be scratching your face. Exactly. 
And you've done nothing other than breathe or possibly moved that's an it. elbow slightly. You know, you haven't made an aggressive gesture. So that's why I've always struggled with cats. Yeah, me too, that's it. I do struggle Unpredictability, with cats. which is like, you know, dictators are unpredictable. You know, yes. you know like if a dictator yes. starts laughing, yeah. you don't know if they're, if they're genuinely amused or it's because they're going to shoot, it's a shoot your bond, feet off in a Bond villain type exactly. laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Cats and dictators. Not far removed, yeah. Not far removed. So that's Big Cats, 8 o'clock, BBC One, Thursday the 11th. Friday the 12th, Room 101. Do you like Room 101? I do, yeah. It's back. Great. It's back with a new series, and Scarlett Moffat, Pearl Mackey, who's a Doctor Who person, mm-hmm. and Charlie Brooker, I guess, in the first lineup. series. Yeah. Charlie Brooker's uh, first pet hate that he, he names is basically 90% of everything. Anything I don't <laughs> want to do is his first pet hate, <laughs> at which point he rattles off... Um, he comes up with this thing that's obviously been talked about before, that 90% of everything is rubbish, whether it's books you read, plays you watch, TV programmes you see, right. food you eat, conversations you have. Um, he's got a point, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Podcasts. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> 90% of everything is rubbish. It doesn't go into room. I, I, I'm, it's a bit of a spoiler, but it doesn't go into room 101. So that's it. And, and uh, the other two suggest... The other two are clearly on a different wavelength because they suggest Crocs, as in the footwear, and mosquitoes. Right. So I'm watching the whole episode. I think it's actually a good, good opening episode. But all the time I'm thinking the other two are not on Charlie Brooker's wavelength. So he's sort of looking at them as if to say, you just don't get where I'm coming from no, at all, do no, you? No, I bet, yeah. And you're, you know, so you've got a Scarlet... He's going on about some sort of existential angst type yeah. thing. And Scarlet <laughs> yeah. Moffat's going on about UHT milk tubs. <laughs> yeah. But it's good. I like it. Uh, I also like Coronation Street. There's a wedding, possibly, in Coronation Street. Uh, Chesney and Sinead. About time. Is that a register office or is it a registry office? <laughs> what I love about Coronation Street is that the script writers obviously have this conversation. So they've introduced it into the dialogue and they have the go- I'm sure this would never happen in real life, but they have Coronation Street characters twice in the episode discussing whether they should be calling it a register office uh, or a registry that. office. That's great. That's brilliant. So that's Friday, January the 12th. So looking ahead to the weekend, Mike, what's happening? Not a lot, but let's mention very briefly Wedding Day Winners, because it's week two of Wedding Day Winners with Lorraine Kelly and Rob Beckett, the new Saturday night game show where couples compete for a dream honeymoon. <laughs> do, do you want me to say any more about this? It's, you, sound, you, know, people, yeah, what? you sound enthusiastic. Lorraine, I've interviewed Lorraine Kelly a couple of times. And she's a lovely, lovely person, but she does seem to get involved in quite a lot of tacky stuff. Yeah. I never understood why it suddenly went from TVAM or Good Morning Britain, whatever yeah. it's called, yeah. to Lorraine when she just sat on exactly the same sofa. She hasn't been. No. 20 odd years. It's like, well, this is a different programme then. Yeah, and nobody's told her. No. And it's like, is it? It looks identical to me. Has anybody told a different Lorraine? Person sitting there. She's happy enough. I'll just leave her to it. Yeah. So I like she... Rob Beckett, though. He's funny. Yeah, he's, he's good. He's good. He's that bloke with the, um, does the comedy thing. Yeah. Um, and they're off for sport relief which sounds like it, sh- it should be the full Monty, but it's actually the second episode of a new thing uh, introduced by Aurea Duba, which, who uh, won Strictly last year. Right. Um, and it's sports personalities or ex-sporty people competing over an obstacle course while members of the studio audience compete to predict who's going to perform best. He's the new um, who should we get to do this go-to guy, Is he, isn't he? What, he means Paddy Paddy. McGuinness? Yeah, or um, no, that Chris, McGuinness, Chris Hollins guy from The Last oh, Chris Strictly. Hollins, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's on. And Hard Sun, uh, episode two of Hard Sun, which is the um, 
um, the program, which actually, to be honest, I can't talk too much about this because we're talking about this so far ahead that the first, as we talk, the first episode hasn't gone out yet. Right. If anybody listens to this, I might do a spoiler thing. So, um, Hard Sun, if you enjoyed episode one, then there's another episode called episode two uh, following on Saturday the 13th. Sunday. The Coronation. A one-off special, 8 o'clock, BBC One. The Queen talks about her coronation and her dad's coronation. She was 11 when, on May the 12th, 1937, she witnessed the crowning of her father, King George VI, at Westminster Abbey. Mm -hmm. Uh, Little knowing that a mere 16 summers would pass before she would be partaking in the same ceremony herself. Wow, yeah. Um, So the coronation is part of the BBC's Royal Collection season and is predominantly focusing, in this particular instance, on the crown jewels. Did you know? (laughs) Not the euphemism. (laughs) Yes. I can't get that out of my head now. I can't think about this program now. But but basically, there are 140 of them, containing more than 23,000 precious stones. Yeah, quite heavy on the head, apparently. If you watch, I, I saw a picture, there's a photo of um, her, her dad and her, her mum and dad after the coronation in 1937 on the balcony of uh, Buckingham yeah. Palace. I saw it in the paper the other day, obviously in black and white. One thing that's amazing is the crowns are almost comedy crowns that they're wearing. <laughs> they're all utterly ridiculous, especially yeah. the kings. It's like a crown that's about 20 foot tall. Yeah. And you just think, oh, wow, <laughs> really? Seriously, what what point are you trying to make with that? You know, because you could just wear something fairly straightforward and we'd say, okay, you know, if you accept that he's the king, he's the king. You don't need a 20-foot high no. crown or anything. It's just ridiculous. Okay, and Dancing on Ice, very briefly. Uh, Dancing on Ice, it'll be the second part of it, but uh, the one on the 14th, January the 14th, is the first elimination. So anyone who hasn't been eliminated via, via um, you know, um, air ambulance or such like <laughs> yeah. will be eliminated by the public vote. Uh-huh. Um Cheryl Baker is the favourite to go first. Poor Cheryl. Oh, there you go. That was Telly.Click. You can subscribe at Telly.Click and tweet us anything you see on telly that you want to talk about, you think was great or terrible or, or middle of the road. At Mike Ward on TV is your Twitter handle, isn't it, Mike? It most certainly see is. See how I've directed everyone to your Twitter. Thank you so much. Send all your hate mail there. <laughs> 